Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 24 of the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast, the Go-Getter's Guide to Real Estate Investing and Financial Freedom. My name is Naeem Smith, and I am your host. I just got done recording a really interesting episode with a man named Dan Zukoff, who is now currently located in California. He has a really interesting story, and I got connected to him through Darian Yarboho, who we had previously on the episode. So just really cool that I'm able to connect with a lot of people. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. And some of the big takeaways you guys should look into is and listen to is that he talks about the importance of a, having a good team team members. He had a issue with a contractor that is really going to blow your mind when you guys listen to it as well. He talks about him flipping and how many deals he does at a time. So I think those are some really cool things that you guys can listen into. Make sure you guys uh, share with family, friends, whoever that you feel that could, you know, be positively impacted by this episode. So I just appreciate your guys' time and let's get to the show. It's great to have you on the show, Dan. How are you doing? Yeah, good name. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited to to discuss what we've, uh, you know, we're going to talk about. And um, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, man. Yeah, no, it's just definitely a pleasure. I got connected to you through Darian Yarbrough, who had previously been on the show. So it's just really cool that, you know, at the end of the day, it's really just a people people type business and you're just able to connect with different people. So can you tell the audience and uh, myself your story? So where are you from? Uh, maybe like what you did before real estate, how'd you get into real estate? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Dan Zhukov and um, originally I'm actually from London, United Kingdom. I was raised there all my life. Um, I've only been in the US for a few years now. Um, I, I actually first visited California, uh, well in the States, it was California that I visited in 2013 and I loved it so much. Um, I was here with a friend. We, we really enjoyed it. I didn't believe that, you know, people can live in the climate that California offers, you know, the weather conditions, the, the sceneries, the mountain, ocean. So I wanted to get back and kind of just see if, um, if I can try it out here, you know, mm-hmm. for a few months. So I started visiting the United States uh, a little bit more often. And then eventually I uh, ended up meeting my wife. And that's how I ended up moving here. Um, a few years after that and now I've just been located in California when I got to the you know when I got to to the United States I started up a business similar to what I had back in England with cleaning services and I really saw the potential of what the United States offers when it comes to trying to start a business or like literally when they say land of opportunity it's kind of like you know it's it kind of became real I didn't really expect it to be like this. And a lot of my friends that I already had here were in real estate. So they kind of already started either investing in properties, fixing and flipping or owning rentals or whatever it was, but it was regarding real estate. And I had lots of questions. You know, I asked them so many questions regarding that. And I asked them, how do you do it? And eventually I started learning how to do it. You know, I learned a long way around at first. Then eventually I had mentors that taught me how to start, you know, investing in real estate, whether it's fixing and flipping, whether it's owning rentals. So that's kind of how I got into the real estate investing game. 
right? And now for a few years, that's something that I've been actively doing seven days a week, you name it. I mean, uh, I might not spend as much time on it, but I fix and flip, I run deals, I do everything on a seven day a week basis. So yeah, that's how, that's how it started for me. Yeah. Well, first off, I just want to say I do love your accent. And I, 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 I didn't know, you know, first time just getting on with Zoom with you, I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I just want to ask. So like you're in, we're talking about real estate specifically right now. So yeah. what like percentage of your portfolio are you trying to work on like fix and flips? And then like, what is like the uh, rental property looking like? And then how many fix and flips do you do at a time? So I would say close to 100% is fix and flip right now. That's something that I'm more or less focused on. Because when I fix and flip, I mean, when I look for a deal, I always look at it with both exit strategies in terms of when I fix it, will I flip it? Mm -hmm. Or when I fix it, will I keep it to then rent it? So when I actually go into purchasing a home and then deciding to fix it, that process stays the same all the time. Yep. Now, my, the ending of it is what changes. It's either, I, like I said, either I flip it for a profit or I keep it to rent it. But majority of the properties that I have right now are uh fi you know fix and flip and then uh with the rentals there's only been a, a few that i've refinanced and a few that i actually own some are personally with me sometimes i do go in partnership with others so i would say about 90 about 80 80 20 80 percent okay. and 20 percent okay so that's, that's the percentage of what we, we do i would say right now it's about three to five properties um a month that we're focusing on trying to purchase um, but that obviously changes because, you know, my statistics you could say is in general over 200 projects taken on. However, what does that consist of? A lot of people don't know and a lot of people tell me, well, what do you mean 200 when I only seen you flip this many homes or whatever? But I don't show, like I don't showcase my wholesale deals that I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I fix and flip and on my social media, I show what I fix and flip, but I've done countless of wholesale deals where literally you get it under contract and you assign it to another investor, and in three weeks you get paid. Right? Yep. Whether it's a 5K payout or a 100K payout, right? I have done many deals like that. That's still part of real estate investing, so that's still a statistic that I use, but genuinely fixing and flipping is something that I actually kind of boast about on Instagram as to what I do. So when people want to ask me, hey, Dan, what, what is it that you do? They don't need to even ask. I want them to know straight away he does fix and flipping. Even if I own rentals, even if I have wholesale properties, even if I, if there's multifamily units, or even if I partnered with someone and did a deal with them, even though it's not 100% mine, it's 50-50, yep. I want them to just be associated with Dan is the guy that does fixing and flipping. Okay, so I have right. a whole bunch of follow-up questions. So where yeah. are you fixing and flipping? So I, I'm all over the U.S. in different states. Uh, in some of the states that I'm in, I'm in different markets. So I've, I've got Texas, I've got Florida, I've got uh, Colorado, uh, California, New Jersey. Uh, we've got Portland, uh, Oregon, uh, the state of Oregon. So we, and in each state, we've got different different um, markets in those states or so different cities. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, so how are you funding these fix and flips? Are you to the point where you're just all cash buying them or what, what does that look like? So I actually use none of my own money to fix and flip properties. Um, and that's something that I actually teach as well to my students. It's something that I, um, 
you know, with the help of my previous mentors that I've had, I've got six mentors in total, uh, learning from them and learning from so, some others that do, do the same process as what I do now, but they teach in a different way. Um, I've learned how to do it using 100% OPM. OPM is mm-hmm. other people's money, Upper, right? Yep. Um, I might be in a financial position to purchase properties cash myself, but I use 100% of other people's money using specific type of lenders. Okay. Now, these lenders, when I use them, it's still viewed as a cash offer. So when I purchase a home and I tell the seller, hey, I want to buy your house, I tell them I'll, I'll offer them cash. So, you know, it makes the offer much stronger. People will then think, okay, when you're using cash, Dan, that means you're using your own personal cash? No, I'm using lenders' cash, other people that provide the money for it at a rate that they need, like a, as a negotiated mm-hmm. return that they want, but using their, their, their finances. So then once I've renovated the home and sold it from the profits, they get paid out theirs and I keep the rest. Yeah, and I just want to uh, touch on this again. Like you said it really beautifully. Like at the end of the day, when you're making this cash offer to the seller, it doesn't matter where the cash has come from. They just see it as cash and it's technically not even yours. So like that's actually really, really cool and creative and, you know, definitely allowing you to have like a more like infinite return on your investment. And, and also, yeah, like, you know, if, if I was to make an offer and I say I'm going to offer you cash and then they had someone else giving them an offer and say, look, I'll offer you maybe even a little bit more than what I'm offering, but they'll, they're will they going to go for a traditional bank. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times the sellers are like, well, with a traditional bank, I don't know if you're going to get approved. What if you back out? It takes you like two months to close on a property. I close on a property within two weeks. Like I tell them, look, this is my offer. No contingencies. I'll buy it the way it is. I'll do it cash, and in two weeks you'll have your money. Wow. A lot of people are gonna be like, "Dang!" Like, yeah, I'd prefer that. You know, even if you're offering a little bit less than than the other people, like you know, other other offers that are coming through, they like to go ahead with it. So, um, yeah. That's that's really good. And so now I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. So specifically, when you're looking for properties, can you talk about like the type of property you're looking for specifically? What like what are I guess like what are maybe some typical numbers that you're looking for metrics that you use like and you know like okay this is the property I'm going for or no this is not what I want. Yeah, so I always look at properties that require work done to them. Whether it's just cosmetic work that might not require that much renovation, or whether it's a complete gut job where it will require much more work because the walls are about to fall apart, right? So usually my sweet spot is always looking for homes that are under seven hundred thousand dollars. Now, the reason for that is because when you're looking at properties that are around a million or more, now it's it might be harder to sell. Mm-hmm. You've got buyers that are going to be looking at specific type of finishes on the house, what kind of countertops or cabinets or flooring it is. So they make it a little bit more difficult. The house might sit on the market longer. Uh, to, it might take longer yeah. to sell. That's why I like to kind of look for homes that are around like two, three, four hundred thousand. Then once I put some money into renovating it, then I can resell it. For about five to seven hundred thousand, depending yeah. on what I purchased it for, yeah. right? But I like to try and keep that amount under seven hundred thousand. But yeah, like I said, the, the, the types of homes I actually look for, um, I would say distressed homes, right? Mm-hmm. Homes that need fixing up, you know, like uh, like a fixer upper. Um, but like I said, sometimes it doesn't require it having too much damage. It might be already like a house that already has some things updated and just needs like you know spruce up a bit make it look a little bit better yeah so that's that's really good so i was just wondering like specifically how do you 
come to find these properties? You're in so many different markets. Like, who, how are you getting these leads? So, I mean, there's different ways. Um, most of these ways that I have, I actually teach in my uh, in the course that I provide. Um, but I find the, the best way, honestly, to find deals are yourself. I, I find them on platforms like Redfin and Zillow. I just literally, and I have virtual assistants sometimes helping me as well, like constantly, constantly just searching out for deals, searching for properties and what they've been sold for. Mm-hmm. And let's just say they find an area and the houses were being sold there for 500000 So then they obviously start looking for homes based on the calculator that I provide them. They, I, I make sure that they look for homes that are much less than 500000 like maybe around two to 300000 so that after putting some work into it, they can go ahead and make you know make it worth five hundred thousand. So um, we start like, like we use platforms like Redfin, Zillow, Trulia.com, Realtor.com to look for homes. But obviously, there's other very good ways of finding homes. Uh, one of them is being through realtors. Mm-hmm. Realtors sending you deals, off-market deals, working with wholesalers. Um, if you have the resources to have uh, people go door knocking, you know, um, for people that are planning to sell their house, you never know. You might knock on your neighbor's door. You don't know if they're gonna if they're going through a foreclosure, uh, if they're you know in debt in somewhere and they're trying to sell their house and they're ready to get rid of it for for cash. You yeah. know, if you make them a cash offer, they might be like, "Hey, I'll do it." You know, depending on what market you're in, they might be looking to move to another state where it's more affordable. So if you're living in places that are you know a bit more expensive to live in, maybe people are moving out of there, so maybe there's more chances of knocking on someone's door and saying, "Hey, I'll buy your house cash," and they were like just considering to move to another state anyway. So maybe they'll accept your offer and that's just a deal there that can make you a hundred thousand or more. So just that one deal a year could be amazing. If you times that by 10, 20, 30, 50, a hundred deals, you know, the numbers add up and it becomes a lucrative industry to be in. Yeah. So I just want to touch on some things. We'll talk about your course in a little bit, but I do have a question about using virtual assistants. Um, Like what, what does that kind of look like? Where do you even find your virtual assistants from? And then like, just, I, I don't know, like what, what type of jobs do you give them? Yeah. I mean, I have virtual assistants all over, even people that live not far from me. Uh, if I don't have to physically see them, they're my virtual assistant. Um, a lot of the time I try to find them through word of mouth, people that I already know, whether it's a family member that they, um, that is looking for a job or whether someone else, you know, someone else that I know that has a virtual assistant that can pick up some extra work that I can use because having someone from a referral is just one of the best things because not mm-hmm. only are you setting a better, a good relationship with the person that referred you them, you're also given opportunity to people that, you know, you can potentially trust. And, and it, it, it's, it, I personally like to find people that from referrals with everything I do, whether it's my realtor, my contractor, anything, I like to try and go from referrals. So that's the first way I try to look for virtual assistants. If that doesn't work, then obviously I go, you know, you can find them online everywhere. You know, you can find them on <laughs> job sites like Indeed.com, right? But I do like to do them through referral. Now, usually I like to find someone who I can train up. There's a lot of times where I could find someone who already has experience with it. But then when they have experience, if there's something that I need to change the way they need to work for me, um, they might feel like their way is better. Mm-hmm. which I don't mind. I'm, I'm always willing to hear how they want to work something out or how they deal with some, some things that I might give them, assign them to, to, to do. But 
I like to find someone who is kind of not necessarily familiar with how to do it, but I can train them. So I can give them like a, a 90 day period to like a probation, like to, to, um, to, to train them. Yeah. Like a tutorial where you just kind of put them through all the steps and processes and yeah. then they can hit the ground running. So that, yeah, so that they can learn the way I manage and operate things. Because yep. then they will be better than someone that might already know how to do it. And a lot of the time, if they're not willing to to learn your way or they say, well, I already know how to do this. Why are you telling me how to do this? You know, I've been doing, I've been a virtual assistant for 10 years now. Like, if I find someone who is humble enough to kind of be like, I'll show me however you want it done. Like, I'm more than happy to kind of take them on and, and have them work with me. Yeah, that's great. So... Um, I know that like we, we've talked a good amount already about kind of like fix and flipping, but I want to talk specifically about like the importance of a team. And I know that you've had an unfortunate like quote unquote like horror story, correct, with like a contractor. Yeah. So can you talk about maybe the importance of a team and like how they help you and then talk about like, you know, what you went through and, you know, maybe what you learned from the process you know, just anything that you want to add. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I even how I tell anyone that ever wants to get in this industry or my students or whoever it is, I always tell them to build a team first. Build a team that you're going to be working with. Before looking for homes or anything like that, what's the point of looking for a house and not having a team in place and you're working backwards and you're putting yourself under stress where you end up making decisions that could cost you a lot, you know, yeah. like... You might be mistakes. So I tell them to build a team because building the right team, once you have that in place, then everything else follows and kind of makes it easier. Mm -hmm. When I build a team, there's a way of me interviewing my realtors, my contractors, my lenders. I interview them in a way to really answer all my questions to make sure that I know that this is going to be a good fit for me. This is someone that I want to work with. Now, with like one of my contractors, man, I mean... You, you might have heard it from Darren as well. You know, you, you mentioned that you, you spoke spoke with him too. But with, with with this contractor, he was an actual con artist, right? You can meet him right now. And if you were to meet him, you would be like, this guy is like the nicest guy ever. Like, he, he just seems like nothing's wrong with him. Like, he'll make you trust anything he says. Like, no matter if you're gullible or not, he whatever he says will make you believe him. There's been times where he, when I was going to sell a house, he was there speaking to the sellers, sorry, the buyers, and he was trying to sell the house to them, and they were sold in it. They loved it. They were like, wow, this contractor is amazing. My realtor was telling me that this contractor, uh, you know, people are saying how great he is, but he was just literally lying to their face, and we, we, we're selling the house to them. We can't necessarily tell them, like, well, this contractor is, is telling you that this is his house, that he renovated it. He was planning to live in it. Like, he's lying when really there's an investor in California that renovated his home. Yeah. Why you lie like that? But they believed him so much, they literally were like, oh, you know what? We love this house. You made it as if it's for yourself. We want to, you know. And then when the, when, when the truth started to come out, these people were like, wow, like this, this contract is a sociopath. Like, he literally knows how to manipulate how you think. And with this contractor, he affected so many people other investors lives out there he's ran away with so much money um he committed some very fraud i don't even know if i can talk about certain things because i believe there's like ongoing cases regarding him so i'm not gonna necessarily go deep into yeah yeah stuff that he's done but 
he's literally committed things that some people have actually told me are worse than some other criminal activities that exist where people get life sentences for. Like this guy has ruined people's lives in terms of not only stealing their money, he premeditated a lot of the things. He he was able to do certain things that affected people's lives forever, causing them to go bankrupt, foreclose, walked away with hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think he's in the millions, actually. Like, I know one investor got taken advantage of about 600000 uh, You know, I know some others that were about also a few hundred thousand. I mean, there's definitely over a million dollars that he's basically managed to walk away with somehow. Yeah. Now, this is the crazy thing. If he ever was to hear this conversation or any other conversation spoken about him, he will be able to defend himself so well that even a judge or anyone in the court of law would be able to kind of believe him. Like, he's that good at... Like, there's been times where he fooled me about three or four times. He told me things about my own realtor and about my own realtor's husband even and other people that I know. He's told me things that got me sometimes thinking like really could could that could that be the case until i confronted them and i told them like hey guys like this is what was said is this true and i felt bad because i was like dang like this guy really like i I don't even want to say what i wish on him like it's bad i don't wish nothing bad on anyone but he's really done some crazy stuff to to people and the worst thing is i think he's still walking around doing it to people and nothing has really been resolved and and you know going against him going trying to sue this person it's happening but it doesn't just happen overnight there's yeah. a whole it takes time it's a process it takes time i know a lot of people are going after him and and you know i the, the only advice i have to him if he ever was to hear this or is to leave the united states and never come back because otherwise he's gonna he's gonna just he's not gonna have a life anymore in terms of he's committed a lot of crimes that you know if he wants to at least like be free it's better to just not be in the united states because he's done some stuff that i I think people won't even believe the the things that he's actually been able to to do no i i appreciate you sharing that and it's definitely tough to hear because obviously like a lot of people are definitely passionate about real estate and there's a lot of a lot of great people out there but at the same time you got to realize like there are people out there that will try to abuse the system in whatever way to yeah. you know put themselves ahead. So you got to make sure you do your due diligence and everything with whoever you put onto your team. And like, I mean, I guess this guy really slipped the crack on a lot of people. So and just seemed yeah. like a genuine person. So it's definitely tough because you had to experience that. And, you know, a lot of people probably lost a lot of money or going bankrupt. And that affects people you know, years going forward. So you just got to make sure that you have a good team around you and try to put put everything in place just to make sure you're, uh, you know, secure and just successful. So appreciate you. Yeah, just to add to that as well, like he's a contract, obviously. And and, um, with this contract, I mean, there's there's so many great contractors out there. But contractors like this guy and some others that I've also known, they, they give contractors a bad name to the point where anyone, even if you're a great contractor, homeowners or investors or people just literally have to think twice. Like, are you, are you going to, are you, are you genuine? Are you like, yeah. are you an actual good contractor? Like the way you say you are, 
Like th- there's a whole process of now interviewing them, checking for referrals, not not upfronting money upfront, you know, or to the point where they can walk away with a large amount, you know. Like this contract that I had as well, he got to the point where th- there was little things that I can talk about that were on my end. Like I had a project. He ended up telling the city and everyone that that's his property, which was my name under it. I don't know how the city were able to even allow him to say that, where it's all public records that I'm the owner of the property, not him. And they allowed him to do things to the house that is not even, like, wasn't even in the plans. And then we had a renter in a detached garage apartment. And this renter was like, hey, while you renovate the house, can I... Can I can I live there still? And I was like, yeah, by all means, you know, she's still paying me rent and everything. And by the time we start renovating that little detached garage apartment, you know, she would have lived there for a little bit and then it's enough time for her to move. About a month into renovations, my contractor, well, she messages me saying, hey, I have to move out. I was like, what? So I I reached out to the contractor. He said, yeah, yeah, you know what? We're, we're, we're already progressing and we're going to start working on a detached garage apartment. So we need it empty. And I was like, well, okay, things are progressing. It seemed like it was progressing. So I was like, well, I didn't even have like two thoughts about it. I literally thought that things are progressing. This is before anything started like unfolding, right? This was actually around the time when things started unfolding, but I had to tell her, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, you got to move out. And I gave her a good reference because she actually moved to different state. Mm -hmm. Right. Turns out that this guy moved in. I don't know if he's married or not, but he moved into his mistress or his girl or ex-girl or someone into that apart, like the garage apartment. And she was living in there. And then he had another client who he was doing work for. Her husband passed away, apparently from COVID. And he had a classic car. And about three weeks after he passed, he offered the, the wife, hey, let me take care of your car. So... So that there's no scratches in it while we renovate your garage or the, the part of the house, right? So he moved that car saying, oh, I've got one of my houses here in the Heights. Like, I'll, I'll put it in there. He moved that car into the garage apartment where he moved in his girlfriend or whoever she was. And that car was locked, hidden. Like, he padlocked the inside and outside of the, the garage to make sure no one can ever get access to it. Even me, when I flew out to Houston... To go there, I couldn't even get access to that part of the garage. There was like a car covered up. And apparently, word word got out that he was planning to steal that car and blame it on the real owner of the house, which was me. Which I would have been able to prove that I'm a California investor. I've, you know, yeah. I've got nothing to do with it. I've got other people, alibis and everything. But that was the point of what he was about to get to. He was trying to take this car that was worth over $100,000 to either keep it, sell it, steal it, whatever it was. To a person that just passed away, that that it belonged to, like you took advantage of, he didn't he didn't care about no one, and yeah. then, and then when I told him like no, like he tried to make it sound sweet, like hey Dan, like do I have to always tell you when I'm putting materials or equipment of mine into some of the houses that we work in? I was like, well, well, no, like you don't have to, you know, like if it's materials and stuff, but he's trying to make it sound sweet, where really and truly, he's trying to get permission for things that it's not materials, it's not equipment it's someone else's car that i didn't even allow you like i didn't even know about it until later yeah and then when he was bringing it in he damaged part of it he damaged the the fence with the neighbor and that fence oh man it just got into got messy got really messy and then this guy then this contractor started not paying his workers 
I found out who these workers were. These workers weren't getting paid, so they started putting liens on the property so that when we sold the houses, we had to pay those liens because they worked on our houses. And it's like, well, no, go to your contractor who was meant to pay you. And it was like, well, we can't even get in contact with him. This guy literally had everything planned out. And there was times where he flooded other people's houses. He burned other people's houses down to get insurance money. Like, come on. Like, these are things that are like, that is insane. Like, this is this is just only touching the surface. Yeah. If anyone ever wants to hear the full story one-on-one, I'll only speak about it in person. But literally, <laughs> this guy, the world needs to know about this guy. This guy needs to, there needs to be a movie about him. Literally. Yeah, no, no kidding. This guy just absolute con artist so can you just talk about i guess like specifically who are the most important people on your team my realtor my contractor and my lenders the three most important people uh or individuals or teams that are part of the team that i have to have uh to be able to fully fix and flip a property gotcha so um, do you have anything that you want to add about like the specific like real estate investing properties that you have? Is like where are those also located all around? Yeah, they, I mean they're all around. They're, they're all around different states. Um, I don't. I don't actually disclose all the properties that I have uh, or have renovated on my social media or anything like that. Like I like to focus on some that. Um, that gets a lot of recognition or does well with certain advertisement that I pay for with mm-hmm. Facebook. Um, but in terms of like projects that there's, uh, we have many projects and some that I've actually partnered up with others that we do. Um, me and my, one of my partners, he purchased, uh, you can buy like bulks, bulks of mm-hmm. properties to fix and flip. Um, we're working on something like that. It'll take us about, I'd say a year and a half to, to go through all the renovations. Um, so you just packaging from, packaging up like these little properties, pretty much like correct. maybe like you four or five? Like, yeah, you can buy them like 50 properties, 100 oh, okay. properties, 300 properties. Oh, wow. So it just depends on, the, the, you know, you can have a certain amount of partners go into it. These are things that I don't actually share on Instagram. Yep. Um, but once they maybe get renovated, maybe that'll be a story that I'll share with people, you know? But I like to just focus on the, the quick flips, four to six month project, yep. move on. You yeah, know? I, I'm um, glad I'm glad you brought that up though because one of my uh, mentors that lives in Iowa City, his name's AJ Lehman, and he's been on the podcast twice. And him and his brother do real estate, Jay, and they have these properties in the Midwest where they'll like package like four or five of them and then like sell them to out of state uh, investors. So right, I, I think right. that's I think that's pretty cool that you brought that up too. Yeah, that'll be cool. Put me in touch with them. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Could, you know, making some money. Yeah, for sure. But um, so I guess this would be a good time to talk a little bit about your course. Like, what? So, what does it look like? What's it called? It's just online, or what? Can you just talk about all the ins and outs? Yeah, it's it's a course that has just over eighty videos. It's the step by step process of how to fix and flip properties, but also how to fix and keep them to rent them and do short term rentals. I provide access to different individuals. I provide access to realtors, wholesalers, lenders, uh, contractors, um, management companies, um, tax officials. So I provide that in the program. Um, it should take people. It's pre-recorded videos. So once someone signs up, they watch the videos in their own time. They can watch it 
as many times as they like. They can pause videos. They can rewatch videos. They can even watch me much faster by the speed yep. of the actual course can be like times two, and they, I, you know, they can go through the course quicker if they want to. Um, now they get lifetime access to the course. They can watch it as many times as they like. But apart from the actual videos, the lessons, you also get direct access to me, my team, and other students. Right? It's like a group chat network that I've provided so that the, the students can kind of learn from other students. If they have any questions, they can always have direct access to me. So it's not just like many courses out there just provide the course. Yeah. And then. Are like good luck. Learning, They're like good luck. Yeah, exactly. Like make it happen yourself now, right? I kind of go the extra step to make sure because I, I care about the success rate of my students. I want everyone to have success in it. So the best thing for that to happen is to have extra help for me to hold their hand through the process, yeah. right? So many of my students watch videos and they still have questions. Even though the questions are already answered in the videos, they like to still ask questions because they want that kind of reassurance, which is what helps them to kind of, some people are scared. Some people are like fearful of even making an offer on a property, but by me kind of like motivating them and helping them, they literally go and take that step of making, you know, putting an offer in on a property. Um, I've got students that are doing very well, honestly. Like I've got some that have, create testimonials that I can share with people if they want to. Um, but yeah, that, the, the, the name of the program is called Urban Flip Academy. Urban Flip Academy? Correct. Yeah, okay. Urban Flip Academy. Uh, if anyone ever has questions regarding it and they want to kind of do it, they can always reach out to me on my Instagram. Um, you want to just mention your Instagram real quick so they can check it yeah, out? Yeah, go for it. No, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the Dan Zhukov. So it's T-H-E-D-A-N-Z-H-U-K-O-V. Okay. So it's basically my name and then yep. the before that. <laughs> yeah, so, so oh, go, go yeah. ahead. No, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, so if anyone ever wants to reach out to me on Instagram and just kind of see what I do, uh, they can see my social content on there and then they can DM me. I'm always up for talking about real estate. I get pumped talking about it. So even if they just want to have a discussion about it, even if they don't want to take the course, but they just want to like talk about it, I'm yeah. more than happy to do that. Um, but yeah. And I, I think for anybody listening, like it's always important to seek out as much information that you can. So I definitely uh, glad to see that you have a course that you're providing for people and at least you're creating a community too. So, you know, if they have questions or want to reach out to you, you know, they can talk to you. And I, I think that's really creative too. So um, I just kind of want to transition away um, from real estate. We can still talk about it a little bit, but yeah. Specifically, like, what are your short and long-term goals? Well, short-term goals, I mean, I, well, this could kind of go into long-term goals as well. I kind of want to provide, like, with, with the course that I have at least, I want to provide as much opportunity for everyone in the U.S. to be able to learn how to do it, mm -hmm. um, to learn how to fix and flip properties, be part of it, because it's generally an industry that allows people to have financial freedom that allows them to have maybe generational wealth, passive income, help their future family, you know, whatever it is, I want to make that available. I want to be the person that when people think like, where do I learn this? Oh, it's the Urban Flip Academy. You know, that's what I'm kind of, that's like my long-term, well, short-term and long-term goal there. Yep. In terms of like, I do have like goals that I have set in like five-year periods. Like, Five years from now, where do I want to be, right? Mm -hmm. So like five years from now, no matter if I ever have to carry on working or not, like with real estate, 
you know, just my businesses, investments. I'm a type of person who I love working. So if someone tells me like, hey, you don't need to work anymore. Why don't you just take it easy? I mean, yeah, fair enough. I'll spend more time with family. I'll spend time on, on recreational things and activities, which I still do now. Yeah. But I'm someone who I can't just sit at home and just chill. Like I, I need to work. Like I want to always work. Yeah. Like it's the, it's the mindset like Elon Musk has. Elon Musk is, you know, he doesn't need to ever lift a finger. Like he doesn't need to work, right? But if you ever listen to his podcasts or his stories, he sometimes, like, he doesn't even own a property right now. He lives, he even says himself, he lives from house to house, from people that he knows or, like, lives with other people because he just doesn't have time to even take care of a home because he's just reinvesting everything he has Mm -hmm. into all his creations and ideas, right? He constantly works. Even at his age, you know, he's going to carry on working. I feel like he's going to work even past retirement ages, right? That's something that I am kind of like, I always want to work. That's something that I'm, it's just in me. That's something that I want to do. But in five years from now, I want to be completely at the point where everyone in my family directly and my wife's family and everyone is kind of taken care of where I can just allow them to live the life that they want and to them have a choice of what they want to do. If they want to still go to school, become a doctor, lawyer and have to study years for that fine do it but knowing that they have the comfort of being able to be whatever they want to yeah be. be able to have options so exactly. no i think that's really important because it's not like i think that everybody should have like a passion regardless of like whatever they do and like you shouldn't just like especially if you become like quote-unquote financially free you shouldn't just be like oh like i'm not gonna do anything like obviously you can do that you know but i just feel like for myself i'd at least like to work and just like still be a part of that and have like a reason of why like i'm gonna continue yeah. to keep grinding so i like, now, I like don't, that get, don't get me wrong like i i want to be able to like i had a goal five years ago prior to this even more where I wanted to make sure any job that I have or anything that I do require allows me to do it anywhere from the world, yep. like anywhere in the world, remotely. Now I've I've reached that, right? Yep. I'm able to do what I do anywhere in the world. As long as there's Wi-Fi, I can do it, you know, anywhere in the world. So now, you know, even in the future, if I'm going to be working, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working, of course, but it doesn't have to be to the point where I'm physically drained. Like, yeah. I can work while I am doing something like leisure, leisure time, leisure time, yep. right? With, with family. Or Do it on your own terms. That's, exactly. yeah, exactly. that's, that's exactly how I see it. So no, I like, I like that. And so this is the last question before we get to the exit interview part. So for someone that's new to real estate, how should they start out? I would say the best thing, the first thing they ever need to do is find a mentor that has done it that can teach them how to do it. A lot of people, including myself before, try to learn themselves Mm -hmm. online, whatever. That's what I did as well. I was one of those people. Only once I started learning from mentors, I literally scaled up from like level 10 to like level 100, right? Because by level 10, from 0 to 10, I was already kind of had some experience, maybe, maybe some knowledge, not even experience, but some knowledge of how to do it. And maybe I've put it into practice with some of the deals that I did with, with other uh, friends of mine, etc. So I kind of knew how to do it. But only once I learned from mentors that able to teach me step by step how to do it, within a very short period of time, I went from like level 10 to 100. Literally, I just scaled up. Love and it. a lot of people are scared to 
put that investment, whether a course is a thousand bucks, five thousand bucks, ten thousand, or twenty thousand bucks. You know, I've I spent thousands on courses, right? Thousands, tens of thousands. But this is the thing, though. All of that I've been able to make back so quick because I learned their process, and then I managed to make that money back. And now everything else is just skate me skate. Yep. If I didn't learn from them. I would have still maybe been at the point where I'm making certain mistakes that can be very costly, you know. So that's one. That's the number one advice I'll tell anyone. If anyone wants to scale up pretty quick, to find a mentor doesn't have to be me. Doesn't have to be something like just find someone that they feel comfortable with, that knows how to do it, who has done it, who has maybe made some mistakes and learned from their mistakes. And then as providing it to someone so that they can avoid those mistakes. Yeah, and it's just like showing the ropes. And like I'm, I'm a football player, and it's just for example, yeah. it's like it, you, if you're that freshman and it's your first time on campus, you want to try to find that senior that's been through the whole experience, and you know they can help guide you through that. So I think that's really important, and it's mentors can look different for everybody. It's not necessarily somebody that you have to talk to like every day. It can be you know right. sparingly, and there's just different levels to it so yeah yeah yeah, correct appreciate you uh adding that so now we're going to transition to the exit interview questions this is pretty much questions i ask everybody that comes onto the show so first one is what's your favorite real estate or self-development or business book honestly the my my favorite there's been different ones that i've read but the one that i have read a few times and actually always recommend for people is the rich dad poor dad mm-hmm. i mean i'm pretty sure a lot of people will say the same but honestly it's not like it's it's a great book because apart from the real estate investing side of it it also talks about the the wealth and and how to build wealth it teach it, it kind of gets you thinking like if you're a beginner mm-hmm. at this and you read that it kind of gets your mind in the right frame to yep. be able to go and kind of make it happen so i always tell people just you know that, that that's a great great book to start with to to, to yeah to yeah 100 percent agree with you i'm a big fan of rich dad poor dad i it's it's like basically just teaches you the mindset that you need to have yeah. to just become wealthy and i think that book i mean it was one of the first books i read during uh quarantine you know when everything was Uh shut down and that's kind of what got me on this path so glad that you brought that book up brings back good memories so if you had to restart today what would you do differently um man the one thing i the one thing well one thing that i would have done differently (laughs) is i would have that that feeling of doubt or worriedness that took me some time to learn what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I could have removed that fear much sooner and I could have started sooner. So the one thing I honestly regret is not starting what I do sooner. Because I'm pretty sure if I would have started years, well, if I would have started sooner than I did, at this point right now, I would have already been at my goal that we spoke about mm-hmm. earlier or five years ahead. I would have already reached that now. So the one thing like, if anyone's listening, like there's no time to start late. Just to give an example, I have someone that I know who is 67. Well, sorry, they're actually about 70 something now. But when they were 67, they were absolutely broke. They had, they were living paycheck to paycheck. They were retired at that point, but 
they they had like a self small business where they still were making ends meet. It was difficult. They had to ask their sister to help with the purchase of a home. Within, she mentioned to me within like the first five years, she became a multimillionaire just with that first purchase of the home. The way she did the right things with that home, she turned into a care home. She did a second one, third one, fourth one. And now she's like 76, I believe, or something like that. And, you know, she's very, very successful and very well off. But she started at 67. Yeah. You know? And there's many, many examples like that. And and the same thing is, it's never a wrong time to start. Whether you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 30s, there's never a wrong time to start. But for me, to answer your question, the one thing that I wish I did, like, you know, that it was to start sooner. I wish I started when I would have left high school. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So... As an investor, what is the most important thing in order to be successful? As an investor, what's the most important thing to be successful is, for me personally, I think is be teachable. And honestly, just no matter if you think you know something, make it seem like you don't know it and just listen to the person that is telling you something. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes even if you know more than them, something that they say might be something that you'll actually learn from. You know, so as an investor... I, I, there's a lot of things that I might know, but I still never uh, like minimize the opportunities that other people are telling me or mm-hmm. advising me to do. I've got people that even hate on me sometimes of what I post on social media or what I say, but whatever they say, I kind of look at it and be like, how can I learn from this? Yeah. You know, what can I do to make myself better? You know, so if anyone, if there's any investor out there, no matter how successful they are or not, just be able to kind of humble yourself down to, 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 to be teachable yeah i love that man i I can tell you're just a really genuine guy so i I love this uh episode so what's (laughs) what's some of your hobbies man so i i might not look it but you know i used to be very uh very very fit in terms of like sports all the time um being from london i love soccer well we call it football you guys call it soccer um i still play soccer like every week yesterday for example i was playing basketball friends so I like to stay fit as much mm-hmm. as possible. I feel like this American food gets the better of us, but, you know. A lot of processed but, foods doesn't yeah, help. Yeah, processed food. In the UK, in Europe, it's actually, uh, it's illegal to have GMO in foods, right? Oh, so wow. it's, it's, it's it's better quality food for sure. Um, but over here, I would say, you know, it's, it's very different when it comes to that. But I, I really like to, honestly, I, I like to be physically active. So my hobbies genuinely are, Apart from socializing with friends, spending time with friends, I, I do love to, you know, play football, like basketball, basketball, soccer, etc. And the thing is, is that I might be tired from a long day of just working from the computer, phone calls, being out in the field, whatever. And if I come home, if someone tells me, let's go play soccer, somehow I just get energy. I'm like, let's go. You know what I mean? So... Definitely You're a little kid, man. You're a little kid. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. I love anything that is active like that. But just being social. I mean, since I was from a young age, I've had many friends. Um, and I just love to kind of network, you mm-hmm. know, going out to places, having a drink, have some food and be able to network with random people sometimes. Because honestly, networking, man, that's if it wasn't for networking with just random people sometimes. I don't know if I would have been where I am right now. A lot of the stuff that has happened 
or the reason why I'm able to do certain things is because I've literally just gone and started a conversation with someone mm-hmm. at a bar telling them what I do. And then when they tell me what they do, I'm like, hey, like, let's make maybe try and make something work together. And then we go for another meeting, you know, for lunch or dinner. And that's it. They end up being your business partner, yeah. a random stranger who has hundreds of millions of dollars that is sitting doing nothing for them. And now they became a partner of yours. So I just love doing stuff like that, kind of networking and yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love it. So I, I think I know the answer to this question, but would it benefit anyone to reach out to you? And then can you talk about like where's a good place for people to reach out to you at? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy for anyone to reach out to me if they have any questions, you know, um, just to answer any questions for them and kind of like di- point them in the right direction. I, I'm a type of person who kind of genuinely wants to help people um, if they, if they want any advice or something if I can give that advice I'll give it if they can't give me that you know if I can't give that advice I'm not gonna try and give advice that I don't actually know the answer to you know so I'll, I'll try my best I'll try and help them out so if they want to reach me to just get in contact with me I would say like I mentioned earlier uh, Instagram is good so the Dan Zhukov, um T-H-E-D-A-N Z-H-U-K-O-V. Um, go on Instagram, DM me. I'm always on there. I get lots of DMs, but I just respond one by one as yep. soon as I can. Yep. Um, so yeah, if they want to reach out to me, just to go on there and um, we'll go from there. Yeah, so uh, I'll definitely uh, attach that in the show notes. And can you also just send me like a link to your... Is, is, your, is your course yeah. on the Instagram? No, it's not. No, but okay. I'll send you the link. Okay, send yeah, me a link I'll, and I'll, I'll add that to the show notes. So for anybody listening, you guys can go check that out as well. I'll put the Rich Dad, Poor Dad link to the Amazon if you guys want to go check it out. It's like four bucks for like a paperback book. Yeah. So you guys should yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. if you haven't had that, uh, go read it. But just want to say, Dan, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show today. I'm, I'm really glad because it was a little different and you gave like some actual just like kind of horror story and I, I think this was very beneficial, though, because I can just tell you're a genuine guy. You've been in the field. You've done it for some time. You've been successful at it. And I just love just being able to connect, man. It's, it's been an incredible journey. So I'm glad that I was able to be connected to you and uh, just keep killing it, man. That's all I got to yeah, say. Yeah, I pre- appreciate you. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it as well. And obviously, if, if I, if I, you know, I, I'm connected with a lot of people as well. I'll point them in your direction as well because they've also got great stories that you can uh, speak to them about and share as well so that more people can kind of get to know other people's stories. Yep. Um, but no, I appreciate appreciate your time and allowing me to do this today. Yeah, and uh, definitely would love to get connected with whoever you have. And anybody also listening in the audience, if you have anybody that wants to come on and talk about their story, you know, bring them to me. Uh, just send me a DM, whatever. I'll uh, leave uh, the contact information in the wrap-up section. But thanks, right, thanks, Dan, for coming on. No, for sure, Naeem. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in once again to the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast. Make sure you guys uh, follow me at on Instagram and Twitter at green underscore light, R-E. And also you can follow me at Twitter at Naeem Smith underscore. And uh, just make sure you guys, if you enjoyed it today, share the show with friends, family. I just you know want to continue to grow the podcast, and I appreciate your guys' time. So until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to share this podcast with a friend or leave us a rating and review.
This helps to make our podcast better. For now, we'll see you next time on the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast, the go-getter's guide to real estate investing and financial freedom.